Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. This week we will be looking at the Reformation and its significance in Christianity and how this movement set into motion by Martin Luther in Germany in 1517 changed the face of the modern-day church. And the timing of this topic is no accident, as this week we celebrate and remember the very risky, daring, and bold statement Martin Luther made against the Catholic Church in Wittenberg, Germany, on October 31st, 505 years ago. Unfortunately, most churches in the United States have abandoned recognizing the significant movement that reformed the Protestant Church and what Martin Luther brought to light even in the face of potentially losing his life. Instead, however, most churches have turned October 31st into a spiritualized version of Halloween, rather than remembering and teaching the great reform that was so needed to bring the church significantly more in line with God's word. But that's just my two cents. On that note, Let's look at what Martin Luther did. And for those who may not be familiar with Martin Luther of Germany, he has no relation to Martin Luther King in the United States. So why did Martin Luther confront the Catholic Church and what exactly did he denounce as not being God-honoring that the Catholic Church was engaging in? Well, again, on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses, or statements of what he found the church to be in error of, on the church door of Wittenberg, Germany. However, as some historians suggest, it was likely not the theses, as we typically know he nailed to the door, rather a notice of debate to be held discussing his theses, which was common practice in the time with both the church and the universities. In his 95 Theses, however, he essentially outlined how the Catholic Church was taking financial advantage of the people through papal indulgences over the atonement of the parishioner's sins. In other words, the Catholic Church had a great revenue-building marketing scheme, which was to charge people to confess their sin and regardless of the individual's ability to pay. If one was poor and did not have the financial means by which to pay for the forgiveness of their sins, the church made it quite clear they would not be forgiven. Consequently, many feared not being forgiven and did all they could to pay the church. With regard to this, Luther expressed his unwavering disapproval of Johannes Tenzel, a papal agent of the church who coined the arrogant and flagrant phrase, quote, when the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory sings. As Luther continued to pursue his newfound insight from Scripture with the Catholic Church, it was soon discovered that the monies from the sale of indulgences were being used by Pope Leo X to finance the construction of the exceedingly elaborate St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, along with paying off the debt of Luther's Archbishop, Albrecht Mainz. And so the church, profiting from what Luther believed was a free gift from God, drove Luther to expose the blatant corruption of the Catholic Church, which ultimately launched the Protestant Reformation. This work by Luther would not only change the dynamics of worship of the Catholic Church, but all of worship in Europe, and for that matter, the rest of the world, as the Protestant Church movement grew. By 1521, four years after Luther made his findings public, he continued to rile the Catholic Church leaders, who insisted he denounce his allegations against the Church and its leadership. 
With Luther's fortitude and unwavering conviction to stand by what he believed to be in God-honoring truth, the Pope requested a trial and subsequent punishment to brand Luther as a heretic or that of going against what the Church believed to be accurate. The Catholic Church continued its stand against Luther, and it was rumored that the Pope was on a quest to excommunicate him from the Church by an official edict for heresy. Over the next several years, the war raged on between Luther and Pope Leo X, with the Pope mandating that all of Luther's works be burned, and that any member of the Catholic Church that did not abandon Luther's teaching would be excommunicated from the Church. In short, the Pope did have Luther charged with heresy and excommunicated. By this time, however, Luther had become as famous as the German royals. Inasmuch, book publishers and the media were inundated with keeping up with all Luther was publishing and releasing to the public throughout the years he challenged the corruption of the Catholic Church. Luther's primary premise in standing firm was to ensure that it was an individual's choice to receive a Savior through Jesus Christ, and in turn, through grace and by faith, one would also have the free gift of eternal life in the presence of God. Luther made it clear that no one should be compelled to pay for forgiveness since that was done, once and for all by the death of Jesus on the cross. I believe we owe God a great amount of gratitude for using Martin Luther to stand up for what is right, true, and honorable in the sight of God. We clearly see that Luther did not back down in fear when he was threatened by no less the Pope and the leadership of the Catholic Church. He stood resolute on the Word of God and God's call, and just like many before him who challenged the Church and its wayward, ungodly practices throughout the centuries. It is important to remember that it is because of God using Luther and Luther's obedience to the call that we are able to worship freely and give, and not out of compulsion, but out of our desire to honor God. In each of Luther's points, God's word clearly defines the accurateness of Luther's charge against the Catholic Church. So let's take a look at God's word to be certain. First, God says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 Notice it says the free gift of God. There is nothing we can buy or pay for to receive forgiveness of our sin. God paid the price for us fully once and for all, for all who accept him as their Savior. And secondly, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Notice again, Jesus, God, make it very clear that he is it. No more middleman is to be involved. We are to come directly to our new high priest and all without guilt or payment. We see this very clearly in Hebrews 4, 14, 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Clearly we see there is now no one who can even relate to us like Jesus, fully God, fully man. No one has suffered like he has, and no one knows us more intimately than he does. And because of this, only he, Jesus, knows our true motives and seriousness of confession. 
It is now only by Jesus and through Jesus that we will be forgiven. And this is what Luther saw in God's word to be the truth. And it was this that spun the Catholic Church into a rage. And so they sought no less than to burn Luther at the stake. Yes, burn him alive for speaking the truth, the definitive word of God. But why the insatiable drive on behalf of the Catholic Church to wipe out Luther? Well, it's the same reason the masses wanted to wipe out the Apostle Paul, and no less Jesus himself, and that because it was going to completely disrupt the control of the people by the church who were naively funding deep corruption. How is your church doing? Are you engaged in what your church teaches and believes, what they do with the money they receive, and what their mission is in truly serving God? Is your church all about making a name for itself, becoming the biggest and the best, the most popular church on the block, in the state, in the world? Or is your church simply bringing the unvarnished Word of God, no more, no less, to those who are hungry and desire to be fed the unwavering truth and willing to listen and grow just as they desire your growth in our Savior and Lord? Is your church tickling your ears with what feels good, and are you a consumer of that, a paying customer who is blindly following a works-based, fun-based, popularity-based church? Are you being challenged with the Word of God? Are you walking away full of God's Word and encouraged to go and grow and feed others who are looking and hungry for the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus? This is who we are to be as believers, hungry students of the Word, It is my hope that you will come, grow, and go. We are each called to challenge that status quo, just like the Apostle Paul did, and just like Luther did, and exactly like Jesus did. Let's stop being afraid to respectfully and humbly challenge one another and everyone who is not rooted in Christ-centered basics, and with that, being willing to suffer for what is right in the eyes of God and all to His honor and glory. In closing, Let's keep these two passages in mind as you consider today's topic. 2 Timothy 4.3 states, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Romans 16.17-18 I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. So in all of this that we have looked at in this message, I believe we see a lot of what we are to look out for and how we are to respectfully and humbly challenge our church leaders when we see teaching that is contradictory to God's Word. As we have seen both in Luther's time and today, Church leadership often does not take kindly to being challenged. And if that is a predicament you are in right now, go to God and ask for wisdom on what to do and how to handle it. Don't just throw up your hands and say, it's not important, it's not worth it, what's the use, they won't listen anyway. It is important, and it does matter to God what we are participating in and involved in when it comes to proper and honorable worship of our God. Remember, as believers, we can be fearless in our faith in all things that are true and right in the eyes of God and in every circumstance. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come to you and you alone. And we thank you for the many who have gone before us, who have worked tirelessly and under the threat of persecution and death for your truth. 
Thank you for the example we have been left with in Martin Luther and help us to see him as an example for who we need to be and how we must live our lives for you, Lord. We also thank you for using so many others who have throughout history proclaimed your name on high and followed in obedience in bringing your word to the world. Help us to see this and live this out in our lives as you call us to be mighty servants for the word and proclaim it through the world and stand for what is honoring and pleasing to you. Thank you also for all those who today are still fearlessly pursuing your truth and proclaiming that truth for your namesake. And we ask your protection and encouragement on them as they face the many and painful trials set before them. Help us to be fearless in our faith and in all things to be respectful, humble, and dedicated to the truth at all cost. Guide us and give us the strength to go into all the world and freely give away all that you have so freely given to us, the perfectly free gift of eternal life through faith and faith alone, completely forgiven, free of charge in Jesus Christ. We now ask all of this in the name of our Savior, the one and only Jesus Christ.